0: Play video games with your kids. See what they're doing. See how they're dressing their avatars. See where they're spending their money. And um, a lot of these kids are asking for B-Bucks and Robux under the tree.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do.
0: <laughs> See what they're spending their money on. This is important. The World Beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow.
1: Brought to you by Michelle Mack. Hello, I'm Michael Mike. Welcome back to my podcast, World Beyond the Emotion is of tomorrow. It's shortly before Christmas, and I'm sitting here at the Studio 78 looking out on a beautifully decorated Europa Park with a lot of Christmas trees, and we're all getting excited and ready for Christmas. Today, my very exciting guest is no one other than Kathy Hagel. Kathy is a renewed tech futurist and highly thought-after expert in the metaverse, Web 3.0 mill nft gaming fashion and advises some of the world's leading businesses among others she was recently listened as one of the forbes 100 most powerful women. i'm absolutely thrilled to have you here thank you for joining me today kathy
0: well, I am thrilled to be here.
1: And the good thing is that Kathy and myself are knowing each other because she <laughs> used to be uh, numerous years uh, with us for the ARIA Award. So it's great to see you after one year, even though just virtually, but it's great to see you tonight <laughs> uh, again.
0: I'm thrilled to be here. I'm such a big fan of what you guys are doing with the ARIA Awards and... um in the community that is surrounding it is fantastic and you know and europa park has a special place in my heart i'm sure we can talk about that too so
1: Excellent. we do that for sure later let's start with a quick fire round of four questions to get you know a little bit better
0: let's do it one
1: what do you prefer movies books or games
0: hmm, i'm a movie buff but right now i'm trying to spend a lot more time in gaming. So for right now, let's say games. I would say that. Two.
1: Games. What is the best quick piece of advice you can give?
0: Live your life like a lighthouse. So always shining the light so others can follow in your path. Three.
1: What makes you happy?
0: My kids. Four.
1: What does the world need more of?
0: I think empathy and more women in important seats at the table.
1: Thank you. you begin our talk i always like to challenge my guests with a provocative (laughs) statement question let's do it wonderful here is my provocative question you define web 3.0 as follows web 3 connects people places and things however could we not debate that the most realistic and wholesome way arguably even the only true way to connect to other humans is in real life and likewise the only real way to experience places is by physically visiting them
0: I think it's a combination. You know, I think um, that's a great question. Nothing will replace that physical presence, right, of being somewhere magical or seeing someone in the physical form. But I do think, especially with the younger generation, they're very, very comfortable with spending time with their friends in virtual environments, right, or visiting places virtually and then wanting to go to them physically. I agree with you in the sense that nothing will replace the physical we're just evolving in what our sense of presence is. Um, But being with someone, I mean, the best times are always when you're with someone, in person, right, in having that experience. So I kind of agree with your statement though, like being in person nothing can replace that, but I do think the younger generations are a little bit more let's say fluid in the way they interpret the idea and the concept of presence. Not in person, but the idea and the concept of presence.
1: Thank you. You have a very interesting background and biography. Um, For those who don't know you, could you walk us through your most formative milestones and important cornerstones that let you where and who you are today, a highly successful industry leader, Metaverse expert and futurist.
0: Yeah. So I, I stumbled upon technology by chance. Um, it was never a straight line. It was a lot of detours and turns and returns and all sorts of things. Uh, so I actually started off as a journalist. I was a broadcast journalist doing TV. I worked for everyone from CNN to Fox 5 to ABC News to Discovery Channel. You name it. I did all the TV stuff. Um, you know, I was on camera. I was behind the camera. And, um, eventually, <laughs> eventually, and that seems like a different life, right? Eventually ended up in technology. And by chance, um I was at a conference and I was speaking on live video at that time when I, when I was speaking about live video, it was before you could go live on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, right? This is early on. And I went to a conference, got invited to put a VR headset on, and I went into virtual reality into an experience called confinement. And you know, it's a solitary confinement cell in virtual reality. And within a couple of minutes, I was claustrophobic. I was transported somewhere I never really want to be ever in my life. <laughs> And I took the headset off and I said, like, this is the future of something, of storytelling, of, of engagement in some way. I don't know what it is, but I'm seeing it very clearly right now. And that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That was about a little like less than 10 years ago. And I did a very hard pivot into technology without having a technology background, um, although I had started in live video at that time and, you know, educated myself, connected with as many people. So once again, community, communicated with as many people, connected with people, gained some technical knowledge. And that led me into an amazing, beautiful career in technology that's led me from everywhere from HTC Vive that does VR hardware. I was their VR evangelist uh, during their partnership with Spielberg's adaptation of Ready Player One. So that was very exciting. Then uh, jumped over to Magic Leap, which uh, does spatial computing hardware. And I had a wonderful job there for a couple of years I love that job. I still miss that one. And, um, you know, the most cutting edge it could have been at that moment. It was fantastic. And then uh, went over to Amazon Web Services, worked on large-scale simulations in um, a service called AWS SimSpace Weaver, which allows you to have a million entities per simulation. That's a lot. And um, then eventually founded my own company. I left AWS, founded my own company, sold my company in 10 months, (laughs) Got acquired by Journey, and um, and yeah, and then you know I worked as a chief metaverse officer at Journey, then chief futurist, and it's just been a lot of twists and turns. But I wouldn't change it. And I think as I look to next year to twenty twenty four, expect some more twists and changes and exciting things coming my way. So yeah, just a lot of different things, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful really for the path I followed.
1: Excellent. that sounds very exciting. I mean it's just um trying to um overcome two prejudices, uh which some of our listeners might have a woman in tech. um did you <laughs> face any obstacles being a woman in these fields because I think it's at least it was very male dominated and you were um, stating earlier that you go into gaming. I guess gaming is even more of a male domain. So what was your first reaction from your colleagues uh, being a tech geek and um, how did you overcome them and what would you recommend to other women to want to go into the tech and into this domain?
0: I think one of the things, be rebellious, be curious, continue learning. I think... One of the things that set me up for success from an early age was that my um, my dad, who who's a, a retired diplomat, my both my mom and my dad raised me with no limits in the sense that I have a brother, but they never said, you can't do this because you're a girl. They never said that. Like, I was always like, go get her. You can accomplish this. You can do this, right? So they didn't put limits on me because of being a, a female. So whenever someone says to me, you can't do that, or I don't think you can do that, I say, hold my beer. <laughs> Let me go and do that. So um, so for me, it's been like that. It's been rebellious. It's been challenging. It's, it hasn't been always easy, 100% honest. You know, I've had to, you know, sometimes work two or three times as hard as some of my male counterparts. But now I've gotten to the point where things have gotten a lot, quote unquote, easier, more recognition. Um, I still have my detractors. I still have my haters out there. But you know what? I don't let that slow me down. I continue building when it's hard to build because my main mission in that is living my life like a lighthouse. I mean, I get a lot of like messages from a lot of women in technology, a lot of Latinas. I happen to be Latina. There's only 2% Latinas in technology. It's a minimal, like such such small number. I get messages from women, from, you know, um, BIPOC people, from uh, Latinas in tech saying, you're inspiring me. So it doesn't matter if I get some hate along the way because I am that lighthouse. I am opening up that road and that path for people to come behind me and be even more successful so yeah it's hard but i i do it gladly i do it and i gladly you know do the things i do because i do believe that i'm opening and blazing a trail for more people
1: so if you would sum it up in one question I said uh Mm-hmm. Just be stubborn enough and to <laughs> fight for your your goals and your <laughs> dreams. Or what would we do?
0: Be determined. I don't think stubborn is the right word. I think be determined. Be determined. Yeah. Try your darn hardest to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You might fail. You know, we all fail at times. We all fall off. But yeah, I think the main motivators are that, like being determined and also knowing that you're part of a bigger plan and that what you do matters Uh, You don't even know who's seeing you, right? You might, there are people that that might think, no one's watching what I'm doing, but there might be someone at home. There might be someone in their neighborhood. There might be someone on social. There might be someone in the business world that says, wow, I want to be able to do what they're doing. I know, you know, and that it's by leading by example.
1: Excellent. Um, now, that one is a good uh, one. i just having this in my mind. I mean, you've been honored uh, with the Forbes 100 Most Powerful Woman. Uh, mm-hmm. What an achievement. And um, this is a good one to you. What makes actually a woman powerful? What is true power for you?
0: True power for me is being able to be successful, but still remaining empathetic. Um, I think there's a natural element of empathy that a lot of women tend to have. That allows us to be, especially, I have to be honest, especially now as we're heading into this age of AI, where intelligence becomes artificial, I think empathy and emotional intelligence become more important than ever. So I think that that is somewhere where women are extremely powerful.
1: You have mentioned the other question or the next question already, but if you would scope mm-hmm. it up again, uh, why do we need more women, especially in tech, computing and gaming? I mean, you answered the question mm-hmm. for AI, but um, yeah. why in tech and gaming?
0: In general, I think in technology, technology is supposed to be created for everyone, right? Technology is supposed to be for everyone. So when you're designing these systems, when you're designing these products, whether it's software, hardware, you have to think about who's using them, Right. And a big percentage of the people that are using them are probably going to be women or the decision makers at home might be women, even gamers. Um, the percentage of female, of women that describe themselves as gamers is increasing every day. So when you think about that, I think when you're designing these sorts of things, you have to think about all the different people that might be come come in, in contact with this technology, not just one type of person. So I think that's important. I remember with some of the headsets, some of the devices, uh, friends of mine were like, You know, does it fit my hair or can I wear makeup? like, there's all these questions that maybe the people that were designing these were not thinking about, right? So I think as we evolve and continue to evolve with technology, things will continue to evolve. And I think in the gaming space, we need definitely more women. Because it's been a space that's been dominated by men, and I think women are able to create amazing games and amazing experiences that cater to a broader audience. It doesn't only have to be female. But when I look at my girls, I've got three children, two girls and one boy. They both equally play different games, you know. And I want to make sure that there's safe spaces for all of them. So, so yeah, like I, I think that there is a motivation, especially as a parent of Gen Alpha children, to create more spaces that are safe right
1: so now you intrigue me what are your kids playing actually is it does it differ ah. between boys and girls what are the games you should play uh, nowadays
0: I mean, they definitely play Roblox. That's a big hit. And then the new Lego Fortnite collaboration, because it is rated for everyone, right? I think it's a great place to play with your kids. Uh, So one of the things that we're doing this holiday, I haven't had a chance, but um, I'm actually going to get in there and play with them in the Lego Fortnite collaboration. Because I think that's a great way to kind of engage with your children. I always say this. I've said this in my podcast myself. Play video games with your kids. See what they're doing. See how they're dressing their avatars. See where they're spending their money. And um, a lot of these kids are asking for B Bucks and Robux under the tree.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs>
0: See what they're spending their money on. This is important. It's important to them. It's important for parents, I think, to understand what's going on.
1: Are you still gaming yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your favorite? You know, game? I,
0: I grew up in <laughs> so I grew up in the nineties, so for me it was Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, which are very gory. <laughs> But I, I mean, in Super Mario, of course. Um, but yeah, like those are the ones I grew up, I grew up with. Right now, I am dying to get into my MetaQuest Three that I got recently and play Asgard's Wrath Two, which is getting amazing reviews um, across different publications. So, looking forward to that. And yeah, you know,
1: excellent. So you give me something to try over the Christmas time <laughs> as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, the game is out already, I guess. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: available right now. Um, Yeah, it's available right now. And and I mean, I like definitely playing, you know, Beat Saver, which is a classic in VR. Um, I was just talking about Fruit Ninja and Job Simulator, which are old classics in virtual reality as well. So...
1: Excellent. I found on the internet while looking of, of, uh, or do the research about you, that you often referred as the godmother of the metaverse. And one said that you like to empower people technologically. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people need to be empowered and um, how can we actually enable that?
0: Well, I, I just think we live in such a fast changing society where technology is increasingly important that giving people more access to technology, you know, whether it is Access through it at an amusement park or whether it is access at school or whether it's access in a job, I think technology is seeping into everything that we do, right? So um, giving access is important, empowering people to understand technology, not to fear it, to learn how to use it is incredibly important as well. And, yeah, I think that's why it matters because everything's pointing in that direction. And if there's anything we've seen over the last year with AI is how incredibly fast and accelerated the pace of technological change can be. And it impacts it. impacts people's jobs. It impacts, you know, how they learn at school and a lot of different things. So I think, you know, providing access and empowering people is is important, you know. I mean, granted, there are still people in this world that don't have internet access, right? So most of the people listening to this podcast probably don't think about that. But there are still many people that don't have internet access. So...
1: When I'm listening to you, I mean, obviously, we do know a lot about the tech scene, but being relatively Mm -hmm. new, maybe some of our listeners to these digital and tech topics can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming, and it almost seems like a different language, Web3, Metaverse, (laughs) NFT, blockchain, etc. As you are the godmother of Metaverse, to stay in that term, uh, can you recommend... How and where someone can get started? I mean, obviously we're mentioning theme parks, but what would you Mm -hmm. recommend to those people to get started with? Do we all have to wait till Apple brings us the device and then everybody's doing it? No. Are there other ways to get in touch with those technologies?
0: So as I was saying, the entry point, they might already be in it, right? They might be using AR. They might be using AI in their Gmail, um, you know. But I think engaging with the technology, getting close to it, I don't think we have to wait for the latest piece of hardware, especially, you know, the hardware that's coming out in 2024 is going to be fantastic, but it's it's transitional equipment. Eventually it moves into mass market and everyone's going to have a whatever, you know, replaces the computer, or replaces the mobile phone. So the entry points are actually already there. I just don't people don't think people realize them. And if you are a tech geek or this is something of interest, I would definitely say, there's plenty of free resources. Like I put articles all the time on my Medium. I post on LinkedIn. You know, there's a lot of resources out there. There's tons of books. There's podcasts like this one, podcasts like mine um, that are also resources that you can access and try to get more comfortable and acquainted with my, what is happening, you know, in this era of technological change.
1: So does it really matter to the people what the difference between Web3 and the Metaverse is? And um, how would you differ about, are they the same? or
0: I don't think it matters to the mass market right now. Like, if you ask my kids, it probably doesn't matter right now, but... I think to me, there are different concepts. They're not the same thing. For me, Web3 is an underlying component of architecture on how things will be connected in a future state. And there is a potential that it will be on the blockchain, right? That remains to be seen. And there's a lot of people that don't believe that is the path forward, depending on quantum computing and many different things. For me, the metaverse is more of that idea and concept of the successor state to today's mobile internet. So to me, they're different things. They are kind of together in some ways, but they're different things.
1: So where do you see the most change and progress at the moment when it comes? Do you see it on a hardware side? Do you see it on a content side? So what do you see? I mean, obviously, we all know AI is moving mm-hmm. super fast. We all know that, the, like you were mentioning, getting implemented in a daily life, like filters, AI, stuff like that. Would you say that the progress in technology is on a smartphone? or uh, How do you see the trends at the moment? What is moving the fastest?
0: I think what we're going to see, so we saw LLM's large language models, right, that were used to train a ChatGPT or a Claude move really fast in the last year. As I look to 2024, I'm really focused on large vision models uh, because I do believe 2024 is the year of vision, whether it is computer vision, whether it's large vision models, whether it's Apple Vision Pro. I think it's the year that we move away from just text training into training with images and with videos and allowing AI to see the world in the way we see it. Even if you look at everything that's happened in the AI space, there is this move towards AI wearables, right? And that is part of spatial computing. We can definitely get into that, but I see this trend going into a shift in human to human interaction in some ways, but a shift in human computer interaction, right? Where the AI becomes part of you know, a, a wearable, whether it's AirPods, whether it's glasses, whether it's our phones, right? And starts to see the world and engage with the world in the same way we do. Um, So a lot of people that are listening to this might have uh, a Tesla or they might have a car that is showing them, you know, what the car is seeing as it moves across the world. Or imagine that, but you're engaging with robots, you're engaging with cars, you're engaging with virtual beings, right? That is kind of the future of how this human-computer interaction starts to happen, So it is to me, as we look into 2024, a year of vision, especially computer vision and large vision models, and definitely AI wearables and hardware um, that is going to have a massive impact. So, yeah. So, I mean, LLMs will continue to be incredibly important, but I do think we're going to move away just from text-based into more of that vision perspective.
1: In one of your presentations, you said that reality is just the beginning, a very intriguing Mm -hmm. sentence. Uh, Can you elaborate on that, please?
0: Yeah, so the concept and the idea of, of reality, right, it, it is in the sense there is a physical world and there is a virtual world, right? But especially for the younger generation, for Gen Alpha especially, what happens in the virtual world is equally important to them, right? So it's this concept of that a lot of the older folks tend to have of separating both right like just because it it happens in the virtual space it's not real that that doesn't necessarily translate to the younger generation to them if they are in Fortnite and Roblox whichever game and they fight with their friends they're going to be mad at their friends when they see them at school the next day <laughs> right you've got kids you know yeah. like so don't yeah. tell like that's why I tell people some people have had to celebrate you know Zoom Hanukkah and Zoom Christmas just because it happened on Zoom did it not happen no it still happened it just happened in a in a more virtual sense right so, I think that concept of reality, I mean, I, I want to be very clear, like reality is reality, and facts are facts. Um, I don't think that replaces anything. It's more the concept of understanding that things that happen in the virtual space are real, right? So if I'm on social media and I get attacked, it hurts. It hurts. It really hurts right? Just because it happened on social doesn't mean it hurts. So I I think it's that concept of understanding that. But reality is reality. Reality is made up of facts and facts are facts. And I think that's important to mention, especially as we head into, you know, into an interesting year here in the United States. But reality in that concept and that idea is about virtual and physical coming together.
1: That's a very interesting answer, and uh, it makes me think and bringing me a little bit out on the concept there. But I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to following for that first part of our interview, a little bit to talk about technology before we dive deep mm-hmm. into the AI metaverse world even deeper. Is there any gadget you would love to see, whether it be AI driven or metaverse driven? Is there any gadget you would love to see on the market in the coming years?
0: Well, I think we'll see. Probably in the next couple of years, you know, a version two or three of the Apple Vision Pro. And that is exciting. Um, And I think all the companies right now in Silicon Valley are starting to think about wearable AI and the post-smartphone future, what I call the post-smartphone future. And we'll see. You know, whether it's Humane, which is a small startup out of Silicon Valley created by Apple founders who have a different vision of what that future wearable could be, uh, which is more of a pin that you wear and that sees the world through AI. You know, I don't know if that's the equipment that we're all going to want to use, but I think everyone out there is starting to think about what could potentially replace the mobile phone, the device that, you know, that we all use as a lifeline in some ways and that we can't live without, right? Um, But there is, technology evolves and something will replace the mobile phone. So I think people are thinking about that. But definitely, you know, a device that makes my life easier, uh, that knows me, that understands what I want and need. I don't want a device that controls me. I want a device that I can control. So yeah, that's what I would like to see. You know what? And I will say and fashionable. Like, I want it to look good. I always call it the Ray-Ban moment when they look as nice and trendy as Ray-Bans. Then we've arrived at that, you know, intersection of emerging technology and fashion where everyone's going to want to wear something like that.
1: How do you feel about data protection? Are you afraid of that? Like I mean, we're talking running around with uh, yeah. gadgets and... Even going further, like a lot of people are already talking about implements, uh, tech implements and technical body modifications. I mean, that sounds a little bit cyborg-ish to me. And maybe being German, I'm much more afraid than you being American. But how do you feel about the data protection and about like becoming well, a cyborg I am one day? <laughs>
0: I am concerned in the the data protection privacy area. And I do think uh, in that sense, the European Union has definitely been ahead of the United States when it comes to protecting its citizens and and regulating um, some of the technologies. So I definitely applaud the, you know, the EU for their AI Act. Uh, And the things that they're doing and the Biden administration, you know, is trying to do that, obviously, with their AI uh, executive order as well. So we'll see. We'll see. But I do worry. I worry um, about something called virtual air rights. It keeps me up at night. It probably doesn't keep anyone else listening to this up at night, but it keeps me up at night. Whereas once you move into those devices, right, whether it's whatever the device is, whoever owns or has the rights to... The airspace, like the air around you, what you have in earshot, the um, space in front of you, and what you're seeing, that comes with immense responsibility and power, right? So when you start to think about, you know, about who's going to own uh, the space that you can see, because right now, if you're walking around, let's say New York, and you see a billboard, you can see it, but then you could choose to not see it. And I think that it's if if everything becomes real estate, that is that worries me. That's where I think there needs to be some type of regulation or you know or something around that.
1: What are you thinking in the last question of our, like, tech talk about technology and such? Do you think we, in future times, we really can contribute to creating the metaverse, or do you think it's just going to be large companies doing so and we're just using the technology?
0: I think it still needs creators, right? It still needs people to be creative and create worlds and create experiences. For goodness sake, I hope it's not only big tech, right? I hope that there is room for creators. Um, You know, and, and as I look at, like, my kids and, and and the people that they follow and that they that they find interesting and famous, quote unquote, it's shifting and changing. I think we're we're moving into a really interesting time of fandom where fandom is evolving and changing. I think for the brands that are listening to this, it's about brands that people love, that they want to engage with in many form factors, and brands that are gonna engage these younger audiences and co create with them. So I think it'll start to evolve and change.
1: Excellent. And with that, we conclude the first part of our exciting talk. Be sure to tune in to the second part as well, where Kathy Hackland and I continue our talk and discuss all things Metaverse and tech much more in depth. Be sure to come back. You won't want to miss that.
0: Michelle Muck presents The World Beyond.
1: Emotion is tomorrow. A Map One production.